You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Refrigerated Diaries uh, Behind the Food. I'm your host, Godwin Ihantuku Ihantugi Jr. That is a mouthful. Chef, owner, operator of Yum Village. And I am here with Detroit legendary Sheffield Jones. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm here. I, I I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you being here. So for those of you that are new to um, Refrigerated Diaries, we have a lot of our guests come on. A couple of things that we do. We talk about the food. We talk about Detroit. And we also have you um, give us a little bit about your most excellent food experience, your most awkward food experience. And later on, we'll... Um, We'll have a, a little bit of a share for those on the a newsletter of what your refrigerator uh, looks like <laughs> at the moment. Oh, hot mess? What does that count as? Hey, you know, we had somebody who only had a beer and condiments inside their uh, their refrigerator uh, in the first season. And, and, you know, he said he's just never home. <laughs> Whenever he came home, he had takeout with him. And so he needed condiments. Our biggest complaint uh, that we've been having is like we we forget sauces at Yum Village, so we've been paying attention uh, on that, and uh, it, it's also a testament to why it's important to have that stuff going on here. So, uh, for those that don't know, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background on how you came into the city of Detroit? Well, um, I'm a transplant, but I'm a, a long term transplant, born in Cleveland. Lived on the East Coast, New York, Philadelphia, Washington. Moved to St. Croix as a young child, three years old. Um, grandmother went on vacation, kind of liked it, and we stayed. So um, since then, all around Detroit, um, Detroit, Oak Park, Southfield, et cetera, my time up in Michigan State. Um, so I'm a Detroiter, but... A transplanted Detroiter, but with really, really deep roots. You know, my family is from Detroit, and we came back here, and um, it is at the heart of what I do and who I am. Who, who are you working for on Sundays? Always the Lions, kind of, because you never know. But uh, uh, pride. I, I'm a, a really big um, Tigers fan, and, you know. Now? With the oh, worst yeah. record, worst yeah, record. Yeah, I'm We're just literally hoping, the worst team in baseball. I, I know, but I'm just hoping for Miggy because we got to leave him something a little bit better than this and legacy. Yeah, because we actually share a birthday, so okay, uh, 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 <laughs> that's kind of really important for him and for me because he's such a great hitter. Um, but always a cub. Yeah. Always a cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. U of D Jesuit alumnus here. Uh, if you are, definitely reach out to us. We, we do special things for, for our cubs. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that, like, when you, your name comes to mind, you know, I know you were uh, associated with um, a lot of different organizations from Colors, uh, ROC, Hannah House, Operation Able, uh, Community Youth Connect, um, uh, even uh, most recently, um, what when people think of you, what do you think has been the biggest biggest driver in and what's keeping you going here in the Detroit food scene? 
Well, the thing that keeps me going is other people's success. We are, a lot of times we're really rooted in our own success, but if we walk out our door and we don't see good around us, what good is our success? And so I like to see other people come with me, before me, around me, and and that's what makes my day really shine. Because yeah, I, I I agree with that. Because if you go, if you're like if one person succeeding, and then like the world is going to hell, you know what? What then? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you're 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 stressed out when you're outside of your space, and if you stay in your space, you're stressed out because you're in that space. Yeah, my goodness. So what did you have for breakfast today? Um, coffee. Okay. Break, <laughs> breakfast of champions. Uh, Chef Phil is generous enough. Uh, every Monday at Yum Village, we do um, training with the kids, uh, training with the youth, training with our staff. Uh, we go over open book management, talk about the numbers, and then uh, we have guest speakers come in and talk to the staff. We, we want it to be an enriching experience. Uh, when, when you look at the work environment, you know, we, it doesn't have to be an oppressive state, you know, uh, where you, you've got your thumb over, over someone else. Um, so what's you going to eat for dinner then tonight? Um, I don't know. I had a bad Uber experience or not Uber or DoorDash or something. I, I, I wanted some pizza and it just didn't happen this afternoon. <laughs> it, it was a little tight, but I, now that I'm here in the shipping container, I'll get a chance to check on my boy, Max Hardy, and mm-hmm. see what's going on downstairs with Coop. And so I, I'm assuming that's what I'm going to do for dinner. Okay. Shout out to Max Hardy, you know, holding it down here at the Detroit Shipping Co. Um, you, if you can, because this is something that we do ask everyone on the show, we'll start with your choice. Can you give us your most excellent food experience or your most awkward food experience? No names, no names, just, uh, just detail the experience. Food wise, I don't get out to places, so it won't be anything salacious there. I, I, I love um, what Mike Ransom is doing with his noodles, Neva. Um, my boy, Andy, is Seldon Standard. I love his work, but I don't get a bunch of places. And um, my most excellent food experience is probably, and this is just my grandmother's fried potatoes. Um, you know, very simple. The potato is my favorite thing, um, in all its forms. And then my most awkward food experience, uh, Lisa Kyle, good friend of mine, Gail Eccles, good friend. I, I tried to interpret noodle roni and the interpretation was horrible. It is the worst meal I ever made. Okay. All right. Taking on, yeah. taking on accountability for yourself. All um, right. <laughs> it was absolute worse. I, it, it's, there was a box and instructions and I absolutely screwed it up. Mm. I don't know how I did it, but it was the worst thing I ever had. When I was, um, I think about 16 or 17 years old, uh, my parents had left us alone at the house and I decided that I was going to take this time to throw down in the kitchen and so Mm. i decided i was going to do lemon pepper wings and um 
like, uh, you know, pancakes, right? And so these, um, I didn't really know how to cook, cook, you know, at the time. Okay. <laughs> and so I thought that all you had to do was just put the wings. So I took the wings. I put a bunch of lemon juice in there, a bunch of pepper. I put, a, you know, just spices that I happen to like the taste of. And I just had them inside the skillet. And just, you know, I was just like <laughs> moving them. And um, I tried to do the same thing with the pancake. And so it wasn't working. I just said, I'm just going to try to bake it, you know. So I put it, took it out, oh. popped it in the oven. Tried to bake it, and I figured it's still cake, right? It should rise, <laughs> right? And uh, needless to say, a smoky kitchen. It was awful. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, <laughs> it happens. You know, I didn't give up. Uh, well, that's what our or our world is: experimentation. You know, I probably have had more bad moments than just the noodle roni, mm-hmm. but that's the only one I claim. Um, <laughs> But reality is that if you're going to cook good food, you've had to have some 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 failures, mm-hmm. and that's our game. We experiment. We move forward by missing some things. We miss the mark sometimes, and we try to do things that don't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And we figure out where we go wrong. I mean, ultimately, yeah, we want our food to taste good to everybody, but it's not going to happen. And if it did happen, then I'm looking for a second coming because <laughs> <laughs> that's so rare. That's but the one. <laughs> you know, um, it 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 happens, and 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 that's what builds us. And, and we we learn how to have mass appeal, but the mass appeal doesn't necessarily <laughs> actually spell success. It doesn't. And because it's our experiences what success is. You know, our experience as cooks, our experiences as eaters. The best chefs are the best eaters. And we are the ones who go out and try things that are a little bit different, that are a little bit out of the way, and that we can actually formulate something new because our experiences are what form our cuisine. Our our life story is the lifeblood of our standards, but when we stray out of that is when we actually become creative. Mm-hmm. And um, I am one for who believes in in, in cooking our family's food. I I, I don't like appropriation. Mm-hmm. But I do like exploration. Okay, and and we we have to look at that and be true to that because inside the world of privilege, it's really a easy to make money off of someone else's food. I, and I say this and I get in trouble for it, but cook your grandmother's food. Do that. Explore outside of that and don't exploit your privilege. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us chefs, we exploit our privilege. It happens. And, yeah, it happens. and, and, it, and it's kind of sad. And, I understand that some someone else's food tastes great, but explore that inside of your, your world and create a new realm, but don't exploit other folks because you might have more opportunity than a street food vendor from somewhere across the world. And take some of that, but don't live on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you start to get into, you know, ethical sustainability of brand, um, 
conscious intellectual property and how that's implemented into markets, you know, a lot of that uh, opens up uh, a bit of conversation for me. Uh, one one stance I will take on that, though, is that I do agree that the food you're cooking should have some actual tie to you. Like, I exactly. think that, you know, I, I, I cook a lot of the recipes that I grew up eating um, with my family, uh, and then I've also adjusted a lot of my recipes based off of just experiences. Mm-hmm. And life and, and whatnot, you know, hence mafe French fries and, and things like that. But, you know, I, I don't see myself doing sushi just yet, you know, but I might try an Afro sushi out, you know, right. After I've kind of mastered what I got going on with the, right, right, right. <laughs> the Afro. So, um, uh, before we get in the break, uh, I want to do a industry, uh, do's and don'ts with you, but, um, I, I kind of want to get a little, a little creative because the rare thing that a lot of folks don't realize about us in the kitchen is that we also get to be guests as well. We, we you know, so <laughs> in a sense, we almost have like this, like, Oh, this is what you do and don't do from the kitchen side. But then on the guest side, you know, you ever hear that like etiquette <laughs> things like yeah. you, you got any of those for us? Well, on, Top five on the, Let's explore both of them. On the guest <laughs> side, um, viewing someone else's food, this is a don't, <laughs> from your lens. And, and if I would have, if, if I cooked this, I would have done this. And, and that's horrible because you didn't cook it. Just mm. enjoy it and, and, and expand your moment beyond your interpretation of the moment. Kind of try to live through what the the cook, the chef is trying to do. And then on the industry side, um, wow, that's hard because there's so many don'ts. Uh, we, there's we, a lot of don'ts. Yeah, <laughs> we, we're in an industry where you can really screw the moment up. And, oh, we're going to come for you next. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a, a big don't is don't beat yourself up for the failures in the moments where you're not quite right. You take those moments and you really kind of live inside of them. Figure out what it is that you did wrong because we, we make mistakes. And, and, and then adjust. And then the biggest thing on top of all of that is don't let it get you down because we all have our failures. We all have our moments when not quite a hundred percent right, but that doesn't mean you're not meant for the kitchen. When you're not meant for the kitchen means when you're not ready to keep going. Exactly. And that's the moment. That's when you know you're not ready to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Don't for us though. Excuse me. I was that. <laughs> me? Yes. Oh, you're putting me. Oh, kitchen don'ts. I, I don't, the other spot I don't think I could top that. No. Yeah. The well, other spot. that could be applied to any career, really. Yeah. Well, you know what? As I, I'm assuming because you're our engineer, you're not a professional cook. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, no. <laughs> but what is it that makes you the most afraid? When you're cooking for other people, not just for you, but for other people. Let's put it like that. Well, I know what I like, and okay. I know that other people may not like what I like because I, I don't eat a lot of meat or fish. And, you know, I, I'll i try to make things for friends or a boyfriend, but, like, 
I don't know. It's always a gamble. If they're gonna, if your feelings might get hurt. You know? Well, you know what? Well, what I would say to you is, don't be afraid. And I, I would put that to even the professional cook, chef. I would put that to the the amateur. Don't be afraid because sometimes in these moments you might find some great successes. You might find something new because not even all of us professionals are the ones that find the first step forward. And so I would encourage you to be not afraid. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Be not afraid. Do no try. (laughs) All right. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get those do's. Uh, And then we'll go into more uh, on Refrigerated Diaries Behind the Food. All right. We are back on Refrigerated Diaries Behind the Food with the illustrious Detroit Chef Phil Jones, your host here, Godwin with Yum Village. We've got Ellen who's going to be letting us know her dues as well. Um so let's get it back into it. We were talking about some do's and don'ts in the restaurant industry, both from the kitchen side and the guest side. Uh, we had a couple of don'ts. What are some do's? Uh, Ellen or is that <laughs> oh, me? Oh, I got a brainstorm. I, do, I don't work in the kitchen. Yeah. I, well, would this be coming from a, a, a customer's perspective? Yeah, like, sure. Um, Give us a do. Do. Be nice to your wait staff. You'd think you wouldn't have to say that, but. Oh my lord! Yeah. Um, with well, I, I literally have fifty years in the industry, and I've seen horrible, horrible customers. And there's not an understanding and a, 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 a an empathy for servers and people who work in kitchens. And we understand that your day is your day, but. Don't let your day affect everyone else's day and make the experience a lot less than it can be, not only for the server, but yourself. Let go. <laughs> you know, my God, your your day was horrible. Stop it, please. You don't take it out on someone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you, you've got people who are trying to make a living. They're just trying to be there and service you and... My Lord, don't be the, the, the thorn in, in the on the plant uh, on the rose here. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I I also think that we should be mindful. Like, definitely be mindful. Do be mindful. You know, um, and we're gonna. This is gonna segue a little bit, a little preview until we're going into next. But you know, Amazon and Grubhub and Uber Eats have made it unrealistic for us to sustainably operate as small business owners. You know, delivery is not $2 or free. It's not. It, it simply isn't. It's only that way because these companies have put just billions of dollars into a lost market, you know, which means that in order to create uh, revenue uh, within the industry, they're willing to take a loss until – Eventually, that loss no longer is a loss anymore. Uh, uh, to my understanding, it's still operating at a loss. <laughs> but uh, the ones who suffer are, are us because um, you guys get all those fees. You know, I, we charge like nine, ten dollars for our food, and then we we got like eight dollar fees on there and things like that. So you know, definitely no, it's that's that's not us. You know, you want to support small business, then do that. Come come by. You know, and 
if you want delivery, just know that you're, you're supporting a small business who is giving 30% of that gross, you know, not net to Grubhub uh, in order to get that delivery to you. Yeah. Um, very coincidentally, I had a delivery experience today. <laughs> <laughs> Ordered a pizza from one of my favorite places, and the order. What's your favorite pizza place? <laughs> one of my favorite okay, pieces, well. <laughs> but I, um, on the on the, in the pantheon of great pizza, I'm going to say Sapino's. I love okay. what Dave is doing there. You love know, it. hands down. That's one of can't the best wait for you ever. to be our neighbor. Exactly, he's coming into Midtown, um, but. Uh, we ordered from Buddy's today. And, uh, that's like one of my standards for Detroit pizza. But Detroit the system, staple. the system made it bad. My pizza got delivered to somebody else. Oh no! And, and then the redelivery was two hours. Oh. And, and and so these great big delivery systems are great and they're convenient, but when they don't work, they don't work horribly. And then they don't reflect well on the business and the local business who has done a great job to do their thing. And the system isn't reflective of community. You know, we need to make sure that local food is the, is the key to stuff. Come down out of your, out of your apartment or walk down the street from your house. We, we are so, so far apart from one another. And it really doesn't reflect well in our food and in, in, in our systems of conveying good food and conveying good neighbors and all these kinds of things. And we're just we're so disjointed now. So that's that's an issue. Uh, you know, that's, I remember growing up and, and eating family dinner. Um, and one of the the, the the most prominent memories about that is that we got to. That was the time where you got to like know what was going on in people's lives or get, right. get to like learn something new about someone because you're, you're still kind of going through your day. Um, and it's a shame that when something like community uh, that that food represents is getting taken away by the uh, convenience of delivery models. You know, I blame yeah. Amazon. I I'm going to start saying it's Amazon's <laughs> fault every time. You know. For all things. So, um, segueing into our, our next topic here is, it's just that, uh, some of the topics we're talking about, you can, uh, find, uh, hanging out, uh, in the D, uh, which is a local uh, news publication, um, that circulates, uh, regularly, uh, in print and online. Uh, so, uh, we'll read this one out. The impact of technology and the gig economy on small business owners oh my god <laughs> um i am so torn with gig because in actuality as a caterer and and, and an event person I, I i actually am a gig person but it's a larger scale but it is so damaging on the on a small scale because we don't create relationships inside of our workspace and we don't create actual financial continuity. And what happens with the gig is that we, we deflate unions. We deflate, we deflate the cohesiveness of a team and 
and it actually plays into our separation. You know, I, I look at our phones and the internet and all these things make for isolated people and the gig economy isolates economics. And then when we are economically separated, we don't have power. And that is something that we need to keep in mind. Yeah, it gives us freedom, but how free are we if we don't have someone that has our back? And we're looking at right now the UAW is striking at GM, and that couldn't happen. And, and you know, some folks don't like the unions because of corruption, et cetera, et cetera, but we have a five-day work week because of that. Mm-hmm. We have safe working conditions because of that. And so when we look to to disrupt that system, we have to look at the fallout. And the fallout is we don't have the power of numbers because we are isolated and we're fighting fights on our own, and that really does not make for a great workforce. And that's the thing that we have to take into consideration. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, a couple things happened over the past week. Uh, number one, I may have mentioned this previously, but Costco uh, now uses a self-service kiosk in their concession service, mm-hmm. right? And you know, you, you've definitely need to pay. So you, you've got to pay a membership to shop at Costco and even a company with that business model in place is, is employing self-service and, and automation. Um, but additionally, I, I came across, uh, an app called Snapshift. Mm. And, you know, it's the first of what I feel will be many, um, until one becomes the master race, uh, that attacks and the Uber of service, right? And, and the way it works is, you know, I post my shift, a range of what I'm willing to pay, and then the person comes up with whatever their rating is, and then I book that person, and then they show up and do the shift where there's saute or dishwasher or or however. And, you know, as I, like, sit around and, and talk to some folks, you know, we've got people who care about their 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 people. Um, but you also got the ones who objectively speak about the numbers, you know, your payroll tax is now cut. Your workman's comp is cut. Your, your overall, um, labor, if, if it, if it can remain consistent now is cut, but these, these costs now are starting to get, uh, removed and you no longer have to really, it kind of takes you away from the, the mind frame of, of even thinking of a team, you know, the, the gig economy is almost like it's forcing, forcing this, uh, this way of life into everything, even with cars and Uber drivers. Exactly. Um, there is something to be said for professional development and professional development doesn't happen if you're all over the place. So you might have a range of experiences that might make you exciting and titillating, but there's something that's to be said about the team and the consistency. I like going to my favorite restaurant and seeing my favorite server and and looking back and, and seeing who's back there because that gives me a sense of comfort. You know, even look at the Seinfeld episode where George gets the soup and he's got the rubber band in the soup and his whole, <laughs> I don't know, his Jose's in the background and he's back there cooking. Great. You know, there's, there's a sense of comfort there. 
but if we are so replaceable, what is our value? Right. You know, we, we're only worth X amount of dollars at a certain time of day. And so that devalues all of my life experiences. And, and who am I? And, 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 and what am I all about? And none of that stuff matters. Whether or not I care about the person that works next to me doesn't matter anymore. And so our food, our creativity as a chef, it becomes robotic. And that that sense of not being anything special, not being important to a team, not being important to a system of stuff, and just with plug and replace, and that really defeats the purpose of someone like like me. I I I, I create for a team. Mm-hmm. I create for people, and there's there's a certain story that I'm trying to tell, and I can't tell that story if we keep replacing the brush. You know, uh, uh, the colors, the, the palette changes every day, and you can't be who you were yesterday if all the pieces get replaced and they're replaceable and easily plugged and played. And um, it's disturbing, you know. Um, but let's just talk about the 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 finances of it all the business of it all it doesn't give stability to people and places and we can't build and grow and it gives the power to everybody else you know inside of food i find power i'm i'm a a, a, a solo person in life as far as the way i feel I'm, I'm a shy introverted person and my expression is in food but if you keep changing the colors that I'm putting out there, it's not my food anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's all these things are really, it's disturbing because people, places, and things don't matter anymore. It's just mm-hmm. what we can put in there to achieve an end. And it's convenient, but we need to be more than convenient. We need to be more than just pieces in the game we need to actually be a part of the game and we need to have some continuity and we need to have some equity and equity is where you don't what is what you don't get when you're just a piece in the puzzle that can be plugged in and it changes you know we, we have puzzles and only one piece fits in but we're talking about everybody looking like that piece and that's really disturbing no indeed 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 so one um, we're almost out of time, but I want to kind of go into a couple things with you uh, before we wrap. So, uh, we know what your refrigerator looks like. Uh, how do you go grocery shopping? Um, most of my grocery shopping is leftovers and stuff from from things because mm-hmm. um, my life is so. Um, fanatic that it's it, it's I, I'm in constant motion, so I I make up stuff and I, I eat leftovers a lot. I, I just did this initiative with a friend of mine, Danielle Todd, called Make Food Not Waste, and I'm not the best emissary of that concept because I I run into a lot of food and, and my life is so <laughs> hectic, but it actually formulates a lot of what I actually eat for me as sustenance. Um, so I just take it. I wind up just making stuff because what I, what do I have left over? You know, mm-hmm. I, I I've got a little bit of this. I have some stuff I brought from an event, and so 
I have a lot of weird creations. Um, so that's what groceries look like to me. It's, it's, it's what I've got from what I work and what I, what I'm doing. Um, it's so rare that I go grocery shopping and, and take a list in. Um, cause if I did that, I would have way too much food, <laughs> way, way too much food. Um, copy that, you know, so we got, uh, the Pistons official practice is October 7th. Uh, okay. they're going, I, I had the opportunity to take a picture with Sekou. Uh, uh I'm so excited that Pistons are going to make the playoffs. Uh, pass round two this year. I'm calling it. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, I say it to say that with the Pistons uh, practice facility opening, it will also mark uh, the second phase of the three-phase um, plum market strategy to implement uh, downtown Detroit. You know, their okay. goal was to place three of the um, plum market urbane models uh, into the Detroit area, and um, uh, from what I understand, the the one that was built downtown was significantly different from the one that was built inside the um, Piston Stadium. But because of how successful that model has proven, construction and build-out was changed to match what was put inside the uh, the downtown location here. Um, we buy food. <laughs> we, we, we've been buying food, and I, I'm just amazed that operations, organizations like this, and previously before Whole Foods became Amazon, realize, as Plum's Market is doing now, people in Detroit buy food. <laughs> you know, we had over $200 million of leakage per year in food purchased by Detroiters outside of Detroit. And... Lo and behold, someone said, you know, if we made this a little bit more accessible, we might get those dollars. And it's it's a glorious day that people have understood it and recognized it and reacted. But it's sad that it took so long. You know, I've been eating. <laughs> you know, I'm a big boy. I've been eating. And it's, it's, it's just amazing that no one wanted to sell me food. I think my dollars spend just as anybody else's dollars do. Big facts. Big facts. Well, I'm thankful that that drive to get something from a grocery store uh, outside of Honey Bee and the regulars here in Detroit isn't as far. Um, thank you so much for coming on the, the show here. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Absolutely. And when we see you next time on refrigerator diaries behind the food we'll be talking about our next topics here on hanging out with the d and uh i can't wait to talk with you guys soon